Hello and welcome to another edition of 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. This is Councilman Brandon Cohn. We're recording the show today on uh, Wednesday, July the 17th, a little bit earlier than we usually do because I'll be traveling at the end of the month and unavailable. Uh, which makes for a, a good guest. Our guest today is the new executive director of the Louisville Regional Airport Authority, Dan Mann. Uh, Dan, welcome to Louisville, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So you are the new head of the LRAA, taking over for the former director, Skip Miller, who was uh, the head of that agency since 2003 for a long time. So you're coming in with a fresh perspective having come most regional, most recently from the executive director job in Columbia, South Carolina. Before that, you were in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Before that, you were in Casper, Wyoming, if I've got it right. What are sort of your first impressions of the big job and responsibility you have now that you're the, the head air guy in Louisville? Well, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I, I was in uh, Columbia for about eight years, and and uh, it, was a great, it was a great opportunity. Um, but... When I first started, so I was a military guy. Um, so after I got out of the military, an Air Force pilot, uh, Air Force navigator on B fifty twos. And after uh, after I got out of uh, the Air Force after Desert Storm, I I said, man, I, I, a buddy of mine was in the airport business, uh, and I said, how do you like it? And he says, great. So I mean, it's really something I wanted to do. And Louisville was always the airport. I would, I said, man, if I could ever make it to to Louisville International Airport, that'd be awesome. And and so the career takes off, and in and I'd always talk about that. And then this opportunity came up, uh, I guess, uh, kind of late fall. And I said, hmm, maybe, maybe this uh, this thing that I thought about when I was 28 years old could really come now, true. Now, so. now, I can imagine you giving telling this story in the interview to the board of directors <laughs> when they were hiring. But why why would you really say that Louisville was always a dream job as opposed to you know JFK or, or O'Hare or some, well, something like that? So a couple things. I'm from Ohio. Um, my mom's from Kentucky, and we used to come okay. down through here. My cousins are, are from are live in Louisville still, and so it was something I knew as a kid. And and then you start looking. Again, new, just fresh out of the Air Force thing. Okay, I, I want to run an airport. I don't want to be a politician necessarily. No offense to the politicians out there listening, but I, I, I love the idea of being around the airplanes. And, and, and once you get to a JFK type, you're, you know, you're spending more time in Washington, D.C. than you are at the airport. And so mm-hmm. Louisville was big, stable, it had, uh, you know, the traffic, and it had UPS that had brought stability to it even in down times. And I thought, wow, what a, what a great place to be. So, that that was always it. Um, you know, after a while, you think, man, that'll probably never happen. And 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 so, yeah, I'm 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 pretty excited to be here. So, my first impressions are, it is a lot different. The, the city is a lot different. The airport is a lot different than I remember when from a kid and and maybe 10, 12 years ago, I flew through the airport. It is it is. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised by how much. Um, how much things advanced and how really how great downtown is. Um, so it's, it's been a pleasant surprise. Great. Well, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, Stanford Field. We'll talk about Bowman Field. We'll talk about um, the sort of regional airport situation. We'll talk about all the economic development and transportation concerns and questions that people have when it comes to airport. But um, for people who are unfamiliar with the LRAA, the Louisville Regional Airport Authority, tell us a little bit about the organization and what your job is, what your responsibilities are, what your operations look like—that's that kind of basic thing. So it's a uh, it's an airport authority, and uh, which means we um, we're we're quasi government, but we're not on the tax rules, so we're self sufficient. We have to kind of operate like a business. LRA is made up of eleven board members. Uh, eight of them are from uh, the mayor's appointment, and the mayor is one of the board members, and then three are the governor's appointment. So so eleven members. Um, it is their political appointments to the authority, but it's not a political body per se. I mean, what we do is is really running a business. So, 
Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of a professional organization that way. So a board of directors that, that operates um, and wants to make sure Louisville's running correctly. Is it, a, is it a state agency created by state law or a city agency created by city ordinance or sort of a hybrid? It, it is uh, created under, so I've only been here since March okay. 5th, so I don't know all the history of it, but it's it's a state agency, okay. like very similar. Very sim- I mean, each one of the three, I call the three big three, Cincinnati, Lexington, us, we all are, have authorities set up different appointment processes, but it's set up through the Kentucky statutes. Gotcha. Didn't mean to interrupt. So you were talking about the sort of your operations and what you actually do. Yeah. So, so that's the, that's the board. Um, really what I am is, I always say it's like being like a city manager almost. I have my own police department, fire department. Um, I maintain the roads, runways, uh, water lines, sewer lines, terminal. Uh, and so you're running, you're basically running all these departments and your constituents are the, are the customers and the tenants and stakeholders, FAA, TSA, the people that fly, um, all, all the businesses that operate um, at the airport. So, so you're, you're trying to have this infrastructure that meets the needs of, of all the citizens. So that, that's kind of what it, the day is, is making sure that we're functioning and meeting the needs of the people that need the airport to have their business to get from point A to point B. And so Stanford Field, Louisville International Airport, and Bowman Field, are, are those the only two assets that you manage? That's right. Well, um, there is the Renaissance Zone, um, which is set up. Uh, it's, it's different. It's got its own board, uh, but the Renaissance Zone is out there. But primarily it's Bowman and Stanford. And the Renaissance Zone is basically, correct me if I'm wrong, something like 2,000 acres of basically airport area, industrial park south of the airport, it, where there's a lot of logistics and e-commerce kind of operations set up? A lot of commerce, a lot of warehouses. Um, I'm not sure how many acres it is, but it's uh, it really is set up to support um, UPS and Ford and all, all those businesses that are trying to get freight from point A to point B. And so it's it's really unique. Um, I, I'm, so part of one of the things I want to do here is have the airport have a national brand and, and be recognized for things. The way run is, the Renaissance Zone was set up, and again, I, I don't know all the details, but what I do know is it's unique to Louisville how they've done that. And it, it is really something, a concept I think any airport in the country could adopt and, and use as a, as a mechanism to support the tenants of the airport. Well, let's talk about Stanford Field first, I guess. Um, I think most people that live in Louisville know enough about um, our airports and transportation to say, hey, look, Transportation is a really important industry in Louisville. We were founded because of the river, and we grew along with the trains and the highways, and now UPS is our largest employer, and hundreds of other companies have located in the area and created thousands and thousands of jobs because of our ability to move cargo by the air. And um, and so Louisville International Airport is, correct me if I'm wrong, it's busier as a cargo airport than it is even in terms of a passenger airport in terms of the number of flights and that sort of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the breakdown of Standard as a as a working airport uh, for cargo versus a transportation yes. so airport for people? It's, uh, it's the third largest cargo airport in the country. Um, uh, Anchorage and Memphis, I think, are the two that are larger. Um, it's Memphis in, being the home of FedEx. Yes, exactly. And is Anchorage a, uh, a FedEx hub or a UPS, UPS hub? UPS does okay. a lot in Anchorage. Um, but it's a whole host of international traffic when Anchorage. But you've got the cargo mix, which is primarily night operation. Mm-hmm. And then you have all your passenger traffic, which is uh, during the day. But but really the business model, the, the infrastructure, um, when I say the infrastructure, the runways, uh, taxiways, that really is set by the needs of UPS. And, and so it's, it's an interesting mix. I think 
it's it's unique uh, for us and how we do that. But all that infrastructure, the infrastructure spending, a lot of our funding comes from the cargo operations. Uh, we actually get more cargo entitlement money um, than we do passenger entitlement money from the FAA. So it's uh, the cargo. Uh, we wouldn't operate and have the facility we have today without UPS and, and the leverage they bring to the table. So it is, uh, it's an interesting mix, but UPS is, is the driver as far as traffic goes. Right. And so, but, I mean, but, but the best part of that is their operations at night, most of the air services during the day. So you, you have these really complementary uh, components to operate in the airport. So I understand that you have to manage their operations in the airport facilities so that UPS can have a successful business there and all the other cargo carriers because FedEx and all the other people op- operate there too. Um, but you're an airport guy. You're not necessarily an economic development specialist. You're not the, the head of the Chamber of Commerce or you're not the mayor or you're not somebody whose job it is necessarily to create jobs. But you obviously have to understand the importance of air transport and e-commerce to Louisville's economy. Do you get direction or does some of those other economic development leaders share with you their vision for what we want to be able to do here in Louisville and just say, hey, uh, Dan, make sure that we have the capacity to do that? Or do you sort of play an active role in helping to develop what what that economy looks like? So the airport, every airport I've been to, every community I've lived in, um, the airport is a, is a significant piece. I mean, everybody realizes that if you want to have uh, economic development, economic growth, you've got to have a strong, vibrant airport. Sure. And so I do hear about, I do hear about it here. About a, you know, Obviously, LRAD um, is a, a group of business folks that uh, have come together to improve air service. And that's the Louisville... Uh, Regional airlift something. Right. The <laughs> folks that have, are trying to come together to figure out a way to subsidize or otherwise attract more newer, different nonstop flights that we don't Nonstop to the West Coast, nonstop to Boston. And so so LRAD has come together because they recognize that if they want to grow their businesses and and, and have strong economic growth, attract uh, new talent, you have to have you have to have lift. And so it, it, it's a significant piece of it. So, I, I mean, I certainly understand that we have a, a vital role to play in this. And, and it's, it, again, it's partly infrastructure, but it's also out working with the airlines, trying to make a business case for more service. And so, yeah, I'm, I don't want to say I get advice from the economic development folks, but I certainly understand their concerns and uh, and, and very open-minded to hear from them. I, mean, I want to hear from them. I, I need to hear from them. That's why I, I really embrace the fact that LRAD exists because they are uh, they're interested they they are spending money on on air service they're flying from point A to point B they have needs the more I know about those needs the better case I can make to the airlines to add service uh, increase capacity to current destinations so it's it's a vital piece I mean we're we're linked uh, and we. I think there's there's the old way back when I first started in the business it was. Airports are utility. We're just an infrastructure mm-hmm. business. We we have pavement and a facility, and that's it. And that 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 has changed with the airline bankruptcies and mergers and uh, the competition that we are all fighting for. Um, I mean, if I want if I want to have more service, I'm probably going to have to take it from another city. Mm-hmm. And so, so this link um, shifting from we're just a utility to you know we're a vital part of the uh, of the community and economic development, and really having uh, open arms approach and being willing to communicate is, I mean, it's, it's vital. So I know in terms of the international uh, cargo hub, 
UPS and the airport and the facilities have expanded many, many times over the years. The, the runways have grown, the, the, the bridges and highway connections have changed, and the space has grown. Do you have adequate uh, facilities there for the cargo hub to operate into the foreseeable future to accommodate the, the biggest size planes they have, to accommodate the amount of storage they need and that sort of a thing? Uh, this, uh, the simple answer is no. Uh, we need a longer runway. and. Uh, huh. To get that longer runway, not dramatically longer, we're talking between 600 feet and 1,000 feet um, on, the, on the secondary parallel runway. So that, that really needs to happen. I mean, they've got 747-800 that's flying to Dubai. You've got the uh, MD, MD-80s, MD-11s coming in from Anchorage that uh, have some restrictions in, in poor weather. So we, we need more length. Hmm. To get that, uh, we have to go through a master plan. Um, so to, to secure funding, we have, we have a process. Um, uh, we have to have a master plan. It has a 20-year master plan. It has to be annotated for us, for the FAA to say, yes, it's approved uh, and it's a viable project. So um, our last master plan was done in 2004. Um, talking to UPS when I first got here, I said, hey, we really have some needs here with uh, where we suspect we're going to grow and and uh, talked to the FAA um, probably within the first three weeks of getting here and actually invited the FAA up to to talk about our funding and, and our, our capital improvement program. And they, they basically said, hey, you really need to do another master plan. It's, it's mm. long overdue. So we've, we've very quickly gone out, gone through the selection process. In fact, uh, the meeting tomorrow will have a recommendation to hire a master planner. That's at your, at your monthly board meeting. At the oh, monthly yeah. board meeting. So we'll, we'll go through the discussion on uh, who the candidates were for the master plan, and, and hopefully we'll get some conclusion on who we hire and get started on the master plan. So. Uh, it'll be a lot of public comment. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of concern when you when you start increasing runways. Is there noise issues with that? Sure. Um, road relocations and and really what we're looking at is something that we can do in our existing footprint, um, in our existing noise contour. So we think we're going to be okay with that. But we got to go through the master planning process. It's generally these things can take uh, up to three years. We're kind of on an expedited uh, plan here I, again because our our biggest tenant has needs. And yeah, and, and it's vital to not just Louisville's economy, but the national economy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a global economy. Global economy. So we have to. I I've always said I don't want us to be um, the last hurdle to growth and development. So we have to be. We really have to be proactive. Uh, obviously, it takes a ton of communication with the economic development folks, UPS. What what are the needs, and and then we need to get out there ahead of it. So, if I, what I don't want to have happen is we have a need. Three years later, we get a master plan. Three years later after that, you're six years down the road. So right. we need to be uh, on the fore, forefront of this stuff. And that's why we're expediting this master plan process. Well, let's talk about passenger travel because I think for the you know the everyday person who lives in Louisville, that's everybody obviously would love to have the convenience of an airport like we have today where it's in and out, takes you 10 minutes, there's no hassle, but still be able to fly all over the world directly with no connections. And so... Obviously, there, there are uh, supply and demand and market and money forces that really dictate who flies where from, from where and where to. But is there anything about the physical space at Standerford Field or UPS's operations that inherently limits the ability for Standerford Field to offer international or other uh, you know, longer-distance passenger flights? No, there... I, Actually, the infrastructure that is possible because UPS allows us to do whatever we need to do. I mean, the sky's the limit, literally. The sky's the limit on what we can do with the passenger front. It is, it is amazing to have that. The other part about having UPS here, it keeps our cost amazingly low to the airlines. Um, our landing fees are 
uh, under a buck seventy. Um, our cost per passenger is under seven dollars. Every time you go to an airline and say, "Hey, I, I want more air service. What's your cost per passenger?" Our cost per passenger is low. I mean, we are extremely competitive. So, so having UPS allows us to drive our cost down to the airlines. And and frankly, we I think we all know how important UPS is. But but most of the citizens, I, I'm trying to go to grandma's house. I'm trying to do business. They we will be judged ultimately by our air service. Um, I, I will be judged by the air service and the monolith we have there. All the other things are are fantastic, and I love it. But air service is what, what the benchmark is. Yeah. And, and UPS makes it possible for us to compete. Now, the international stuff, um, we, are, we are right now part of this master plan study. Part of our terminal renovation is studying having a customs, uh, a true international customs here. Um, we think that's viable. I, I've used, I have a new air service uh, um, partner, and he says you would have service right now, leisure service, but you would have service now um, internationally if you had an FIS. And so we're working on that. I Say that last part one more time. I'm not sure I just understood that we would have... If we had an FIS, we had the... Cust- which is a... It's a, a federal inspection service. It's the customs coming... It's FIS yeah. is kind of okay. the technical name for for this facility where you clear customs. And so if we had that, then what? If we had that, we would have international service today. Um, probably leisure, but Cancun, Allegiance flying um, to Mexico. So we would have... You're saying that if we had this FIS facility, which is set up for um, customs, you know, customs, international travel, that you think the market is there for some airline to uh, operate international flights out of Louisville, for, absolutely for leisure or and is leisure different than business? They might fly to Cancun, but not to London necessarily. That, well, you have to have one before you get the other. So right. if we if we have an FIS and we show there's a market to, for this leisure travel. Um, then we can start making a case for other business travel, but it, but the leisure is the leisure is the market that's there today. Yeah. Um, so sure. We build the FIS, get the leisure market going, so it cash flows, and then we start making a business case for others. But having said that, um, Air Canada, we next next week, twenty fourth, I'm I'm going up to Montreal to meet Air Canada. Uh-huh. Air Canada, we have a business case for Air Canada service to Toronto, and we have a ton of European travel. Um, Air Canada is a great option. So. Mm. So we'll go up and make the business case. So we have a we have an excellent excellent case to make for Air Canada. I'm surprised they're not here already. Um, we're going to make that case, and I'm I'm extremely hopeful. Now, these things take take time, of course. But they I met with them in Cleveland at Jumpstart. They said, "Wow, this is interesting." Headquarters visit. So this is in June. Headquarters visit now in July, um, and we have a great business case. And so I, I'm kind of excited. But that's uh, that's that will be international. They have a custom. You, we don't need a FIS for Air Canada, um, like we would for some of the other international. But it, it, it's uh, it's international. It's connectivity, and I think we can get that. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, and you know I don't want to get too into the weeds here, and I have some other questions, but. The FIS, which I've never heard about till this interview, which is very fascinating. I guess one question is, there's nothing that the city council or the city government can do to help you, is there, on that front? Um, support it once it gets here. Um, okay, get sure. the word out. I mean, it really is. Again, we're we're self-sufficient, so we will we will find a way to fund this. Uh, um, but the, the, it's the citizens. It's the business case. And so if we get it, then we need people saying, hey, we you now can go from point A to point B and sure. fly internationally. And so really what we'll need is to get the word out and, and build the support that way. But we're, I mean, it's one of those things, it's, the business case is there, uh, it'll prove itself out without um, without un, other influences. And is there a timeline on the FIS project? 
you know, aggressively 18 months. Uh, wow. Okay, if, great. If, uh, if we kind of march through this in a methodical way and get all the processes in place, 36 months on the outside. I'm not one to delay things. I, I mean, if you talk to my staff, it's like, no, I want it yesterday. So I'm, I want to move quick on all these things. We have an opportunity here. Uh, and there's some storm clouds out there nationally. You have a pilot, a looming pilot shortage, which will impact every airport in mm -hmm. the country. We need to take advantage of every opportunity we have today as aggressively as possible. And so if we have, uh, if we have an FIS, we have international traffic, um, we, we will be able to, to secure those. When, when airlines are saying, hey, where do I fly? Where am I going to cut? They're not, uh, I want us in a position where we're the last city that they pull a flight down. So having all these extra things are going to be good for us. So, so I, I think we have to be aggressive. We have to be purposeful. Otherwise, we're going to miss opportunities. And I know the future is totally hard to imagine. One day drones will be delivering packages and probably <laughs> airlines will be flown by robots and all kinds of stuff that we don't know how we can anticipate it. But for the foreseeable future, um, in terms of other passenger service, I always imagined that if we were going to like attract a hub, which I don't know if that's still the business model or not anymore, that they would require another big, uh, what do you call the um, terminal? Is 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 that true? That that one of the impediments or something else we would need if some other airline out there in the world decided they wanted to build a transfer station here, that they'd have to have room for a terminal. And I guess the question is, does the term do you have that kind of space on the airfield now? Now, my second question was, I know there are 500 or 600 acres of the Kentucky Fair and Exposition Center right on the other side of the Waterson Expressway from you that, uh, frankly, is underused uh, prime real estate. And I wonder if there's ever any potential. If someone said to you, hey, Dan, we've got, you guys need any of this space for any of your future <laughs> expansion, what, what would you say? Or um. Yes, if there was if if an airline was building if there was going to be another hub, we would need more space. We don't have land for it. Uh, we, uh, we are landlocked. We're kind of in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. We're we're bordered by highways and railroads, so we are we are landlocked. Mm -hmm. um, the business model that the airlines have today uh, do not lend themselves to another hub. I mean, they're they're actually dehubbing some of. The, I mean, they've gone through a massive round of dehubbing. Cincinnati was dehubbed. Memphis yeah. was dehubbed. Pittsburgh was dehubbed. St. Louis. So. So the hubs are critical, um, but they're not really growing new ones. So they've, they've kind of gone with all these, all the reorganizations, bankruptcies, mergers, they kind of really are set where they are now. And uh, the massive hubs, Atlanta, Chicago's, they are getting more efficient and, and doing things smarter and better. So I don't really see that um, in the future. As it relates to our growth, we have plenty of space to grow. We're growing right now at about 8% a, a year, which is phenomenal growth. We could do that for the next eight or nine years and still have facilities to to accommodate them. Gotcha. Uh, one of the things I don't want to I don't sure, want to steal a question, no. but one of the things that that we're working on I, again, we're going to be judged by air service, customer convenience. We have a lot to do. So the terminal renovation that was completed, it looks beautiful, but there's still a lot that we can do. So we are right now also on Wednesday's board meeting. Um, we've engaged Alliance, who did the original design. Um, we've got a million-dollar program that we're putting before the board to have them come back and, and do what I call round two, which will study um, uh, free Wi-Fi. The FIS will be part of that, mm -hmm. uh, mechanical structures. Um, we're, we'll be replacing all the jet bridges, 24 jet bridges. These things are a million bucks a piece. So when you think, wow, it's a $125 million terminal improvement program. 
well, 24 million of it is going to be in jet bridges, but moving walkways, escalators. I, I mean, I hear all the time, oh, geez, the escalator's down again. Um, those things are fully depreciated. They are, they are old, they're past yeah. useful life, and so we have to we have to get back in and change those. But it's going to be customer amenity, the adding uh, with the parking. Um, we're right now looking, what can we do better for parking? We've got a credit card in credit card out lot, which is right next to the airport. We need to upgrade that. We need uh, we need some parking loyalty programs, some some uh, what I call park and fly. If you park out in the garage where where you have a loyalty program, you get a card, you can zip in and zip out and not have to pay, um, not wait in a line when you're trying to go. So um, mechanical systems, there there's a lot we can do in the to terminal. Constantly improve. To, to make it better than it is today. And so we're, we are focused like crazy in this next phase to what can we do to make the airport more efficient, more customer-friendly, but also look better. So the entryway in, what, what can we do with wayfinding and signage? That's going to be improved. The, uh, the the part up above where it's concrete and kind of heavy looking, mm-hmm. what can we do to make that uh, uh, more really reflect uh, what we think the gateway of Louisville ought to be? So yeah. we're, all these things are going to be part of this $125 million program. Um, you talked about parking and that sort of a thing. Let me just talk about other transportation to and from the airport. You know, I remember when we had, you know, there was a, a, a light rail plan that existed that was called the Transportation Tomorrow T2 plan, and it envisioned a light rail line that went through downtown Louisville straight up the south central corridor of the city past U of L and Churchill Downs to the airport and to the major employers out that way. And my memory is that the parking garage at Louisville International Airport was actually designed to accommodate one of the, you know, cars coming right in there and dropping people Hmm. off. And I could always imagine, you know, especially as air travel is increasingly popular in people's daily lives for a quick business trip or for leisure and just sort of the world we're living in, that Louisville International Airport is really the transit hub for the whole community. And, you know, that was accommodating a north-south uh, light rail line or bus rapid transit line that, um, you know, there was some sort of east-west connection that you could ride your bike to the airport, which I'm sure people would like to do if they had that option. But frankly, it, I think it's probably impossible or certainly not easy. <laughs> I, wouldn't um, to, I wouldn't want to ride my bike. <laughs> well, you know, there are certainly people who might have a go have a day trip to, to uh, Chicago and back, want to ride their bike to the airport, go do business. I, I mean, it'd be home. great, but it, the, uh, the highways and I mean, it is, it is a busy, well, that's uh, what I'm saying that, yeah. that, um, do you, do you see any potential for the airport to serve as a greater hub for citywide transportation? I could imagine a, a bus terminal at the airport where, where lots of buses came and you could go to all different places all over the region, for example. Oh, I mean, cities of the future are going to have this figured out. I mean, if you want to, if you want to grow and, and you want to attract talent, you're, you're going to have to have these amenities in a city. So uh, how, what's the airport's role in that? Um, I mean, we certainly would support it um, and share, I would share that vision that if yeah. we had something like that, we would, we'd do everything we could to accommodate it. But this is one where, Again, I think you have to, I think as the city leaders, um, folks in council, they really need to be thinking about if we want to attract the kind of talent that we're talking about and continue to grow Louisville, we have to have these amenities. And, and the airport has to be a part of that and, and make sure that we have the infrastructure to, to be a part of it. And we would absolutely um, be open-minded to it. Th- I think it'd be great to have, I, again, when you just start talking about the light rail across Churchill Downs and uh, Louisville, I mean, you you have, a, you have built-in clients all, the, all up and down through there. And so... I think it'd be great. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get off of uh, Stanford Field soon and move on to Bowman Field, which is the one that's sort of more in our area. Mm -hmm. It's not technically in District 8, but it borders District 8. But first, 
you know, your two airports are not alone in the region. Obviously, the Cincinnati airport that was once a bigger international hub and now still has a flight to Paris is maybe 100 miles away or 80 miles mm-hmm. away. Lexington is 80 miles away. They have an airport. Clark County in southern Indiana has an airport. Do any of those, uh, I mean, I assume they all fit into your analysis of the market, but do, do you have to... Uh, how do those impact what we're doing in Louisville one way or the other? Uh, there's impact um, on, on both the GA side of things and the commercial service side of things. Um, one of the things uh, coming in to coming to Louisville, I, I heard a lot about leakage, how many passengers are, our passengers are driving to these other airports. And I'm flying out of Indianapolis to go to Paris uh, on Friday. It, it happens, and for a whole host of reasons. The nonstop is part of it. A lot of it is uh, the pricing. We're getting increasingly competitive with our ultra-low-cost carriers. I mean, we've, we just had Frontier announce uh, Denver. They announced uh, Austin Service. You got Allegiant that's Myrtle Beach and Jacksonville, Florida. So, so we're starting to get uh, the competition. But, yeah, the, the leakage is something that I'm very aware of. Uh, we just finished a study. Um, uh, just just finished at June 30th, actually, and it, it was a kind of benchmark. What I wanted to do is benchmark where are we at uh, at the end of 2017. So... So in 2018, 2019, we can say, do we make progress? Do we do do we advance the ball? And so, but primarily, it's com- is the competition side of things with uh, the nonstops and the um, and the ultra low cost carriers. And so, we're making we're making progress with the the ultra low cost, um, the nonstops. We still have a lot of work to do. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati primarily is uh, where the leakage is going. Um, we do have some. Surprisingly, we have a, a like two percent that go to Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, that's quite a drive for air service, but people are doing it. But yeah, uh, I can tell you the the level of uh, people driving to Cincinnati. I think the the story of it is greater than the actual amount of people doing it. So mm-hmm. our our study says hey, we're we really are getting quite a bit of our traffic. Um, but you think our best way forward in terms of really having better air travel for people, it's not you know building some high speed speed train to Cincinnati or Lexington or building a brand new airport in Shelby County or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's adding the facilities that we need at Louisville International where we have this capacity. That's right. Well, we have the infrastructure, we have the capacity. To, to build anything in a greenfield is astronomical expensive. And again, the citizens in, in this region are, are lucky to have Louisville sure. and Lexington and Cincinnati. Um, and, and if you want to drive further than that, Indianapolis and Nashville, I mean, it's a phenomenal amount of transportation really, really close in. I mean, I lived out west, and uh, again, you'd have to drive five, six hours to get to Denver. And so, I mean, we are, we as a, a region are truly blessed to have all this. Now, now I'm, I'm saying this competition, and I, you know, I wish I had all that business, but if you want to, if you want to grow business economic development, we have, we as a region have a ton to sell. Great. Well, let's talk about Bowman Field. Uh, the first thing is I've written about this a little bit, and the Louisville Regional Airport Authority and you specifically agreed to help partner with my office and then two other adjoining council districts, District 9 and District 26, um, and a few of the small cities that are located there. There's several independent home rule cities in the area to do a big area-wide master plan for the neighborhoods around Bowman Field and Taylorsville Road Corridor and the Bardstown Road Corridor. Um, how much time do you spend over on Bowman Field? And, and because obviously Stanford Field is so important to the bottom line, you know, where does Bowman Field fit in your vision and sort of your fondness for, for what your job is here? So I, I absolutely love Bowman Field. Uh, when I first came to town, when I came back for the interviews, the first area I went was down, down by Bowman Field, looked at the housing down there. My wife had done, she was looking online for housing. That was the area we kind of wanted to be at. 
Bowman Field is a phenomenal facility. Um, it's got a phenomenal history. It really, in my view, it should be something that we tell. I'm as a tourism destination. I mean, it should be something people come to. I know. Uh, I know there's movement now to try to do some more festivals and and have it as more of an attraction. But aside from all that, uh, we couldn't operate Sandiford without Bowman. I mean, if you have uh, the Cessna 152s and these smaller aircraft clogging up the airspace, you, you wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be able to have the air service and traffic and, and move that heavy metal in and out like we do. So Bowman is, uh, again, I've got a passion for it because I think I think general aviation is neat. Um, I, I wanted to fly on a 152 at a small airfield. So all that, having said all that, though, it is vital to the operation of, of Big Brother yeah. at Sanford. So it's, it's mission critical. I mean, we have to have it. Yeah, and functionally, I mean... I- I see it clearly as the largest institutional center of that whole corridor and something that's an historic asset. I think it's the longest continuous serving yeah. airport in the country. Is yeah, it? absolutely. Um, started in 1919, and we're going to have a 100-year anniversary coming up. So there's there's a lot of neat things. Right. Going. Beautiful historic building, great restaurant, connectivity to the park. And so I can really imagine the neighborhoods around there um, figuring out ways to make it more central to their identity and it really being a driver of sort of positive economic mm-hmm. and community growth along the Taylorsville Road corridor. Um, but I, I think one of the things is that it has, where Standard from Field is, it's a working airport. Right. That this, that Bowman Field has the capacity to be community serving in a way, not just the pe- people that can do private aviation there, but because of UPS, we have a really good aviation community here. There's lots of pilots that live here. There's lots of hobbyists and uh, certain a lot of histor- historian buffs and people that are vested in the success and the preservation of Bowman. Uh, in terms of Bowman's uh, physical space itself, which is which is obviously separate from the neighborhood planning e- exercise we're doing, Bowman Field has to go through its own master planning process like you described before. That's still every 20 years for, right. for that kind of airport. So too. 20-year master plans, um, they, they're 20-year master plans, but you usually do them every 10 years. Yeah, you update them. Right. Um, there's a lot of space there. What what do you guys have any vision for what you know the future of Bowman Field looks like? I know some people are worried. Oh no, it's going to become a very high trafficked area, and and there'll be jet engines and all that kind of stuff. And that you all have said that's that's not what you're planning. That is not the plan. So the plan is to, and this is something the board has talked about a lot. There's there's a few board members are, are really Bowman has a special place in our hearts. So. Really, what what our plan is maintain this facility so it's a reliever, um, get some of the traffic off of uh, Sandiford, but maintain the utility that it has today. So the idea isn't to bring jet traffic. I mean, we have jet, corporate jet traffic, sure. smaller stuff, but the the idea is to keep this facility as it is today. I mean, again, it's got a footprint that really can't be expanded on, so it, it can't grow a lot, and those limitations will keep Bowman from having the. 747s flying in there, just not physically capable of it. Right. So, and uh, the, what about the, the non-aviation uh, potential? I mean, there's lots of. It looks like there's lots of other buildings and and you know organizations that have offices and government space on on Bowman's. Campus. Yeah, and there's some there's some areas where we could do some development. We've talked about you know there's been talk about a hotel going in or a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, um, there's green space on on the fringes of that. Uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. Solar field. Uh, my last airport, we had the solar field. There's green space right. I mean, if you looked at an aerial map of Bowman. There's an area in that center that is just it's just grass against mode. You're, you're, yes, you're, I wanted to mention that you said that in Columbia, where you led the airport there, you had a five-acre solar farm. Right. 
And did some of that power go back into the grid to help? We sold we sold it back to the grid. Um, it generated about twenty five thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So I mean, it was it. So we took five acres that was in the middle of the airfield that we just had to mow and maintain and turned it into a revenue generator. No other use for that land. Um, uh, no compatible land use, and so it, it made perfect sense. It, now, it took a lot of effort, state legislature, to get that through, but um, we had to work with the utility company, which there was some resistance um, sure. to that. But at the end of the day, a great source of green energy, great revenue source for us, um, cash flows, uh, it, it really a neat, a neat project. We've talked about it here. Uh, again, I've got a couple board members that really um, are interested in that. So obviously you can't do it at Sanford. I mean, that that's sure. covered up sure. in concrete. So. I'm not sure. We haven't done the light studies or any you know, reflectivity studies, which have to happen. But when you look at it, it's like there's a lot of green space there. It seems like that might be uh, an option. And, and the green space, which, again, uh, it uh, directly joins Seneca Park, it really is sort of a park-like setting in a lot of ways. And I was riding my bicycle with a buddy around the, the track that goes around Bowman Field and the neighborhoods the other day. And when we were on Cannons Lane, I don't know what that building is that would be on your left there, but he said, man, they should build like a brew pub there where you can just sit and uh, drink beer and eat and watch the planes go back and forth. And I think that, you know, people still do and would enjoy increased opportunities to connect from their neighborhoods surrounding Bowman to mm-hmm. come and eat or drink something uh, in addition to just the, the fancy, very nice French restaurant there, but something <laughs> that's a little more approachable and family yeah. friendly and to, to watch the planes and to watch the hot air balloons and to do that kind of thing. And so you're saying that when you go through the master planning process for Bowman, those kind of things could be on the table? Yeah, there. I mean, there's green space around there, and there's areas where it can be smartly developed. And and uh, and we, we're talking about that. Um, we've had some folks uh, show interest in it. But again, I think the neighborhood planning study is going to be great for that. I mean, what corridors make sense for this yeah. um, with the, the traffic patterns? So, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be good good information that comes out of there. And the other part is, one of the things I heard a lot is uh, the communication between um, Sanford and Bowman and us and the tenants and the neighborhoods was not as good as it should be. Um, you, you asked earlier, what's how much time do I spend on Bowman? We, we are spending um, a good amount of time saying, what can we do to communicate and share our vision, invest in Bowman? I mean, there's, there's infrastructure needs there too, maintaining the pavement, Fixing, you know, some of the things that the sea hangers. A lot of stuff you have to do, but it needs it needs attention. And yeah. with that attention, you got to talk to the tenants. And and now with the neighborhood plan, um, we'll be able to communicate with uh, the neighbors. I, I mean, I think that I'm pretty optimistic about that as well. I think there's, some, I think there is some really cool things to do. Um, Owens Field was the GA airport uh, in Columbia. The Curtis Wright hangar that's there. He built these all over the country, and and it's the same look. I mean, they're all basically same design. Um, they had one that was falling down, state of disrepair. One of the restaurants there turned that into a brew pub. Yeah. So so you have this beautiful hangar that's been completely restored. They're doing weddings there. Um, it, it is a it is really neat, and you can sit on the back back deck of it and watch the plants come and go. It, I mean, it's a neat concept. Now I'm not saying we would do that. Yeah. To a to a viable hangar here, but. Um, there's, there's opportunities. Spa- there's space. And there's, there's, there's space to do it. And, and, and people, it would be a unique attraction. And I, I mean, I, I do think there's opportunities. Well, I've been working with, as you know, Develop Louisville, who's going to help us administer this neighborhood planning process. This is a great big neighborhood plan that's going to create not just a plan for the Taylorsville Road corridor and some of the Bardstown Road corridor, but individual plans for five different District 8 um, neighborhoods in small cities, which is a, which is a, a great savings and economy of scale and a huge um, benefit for those areas. 
And uh, we're, it looks like we're probably going to kick off that process right after Labor Day. You know, the bid has been put together. It's being let. There's some process and procurement and that sort of a thing. And obviously you or somebody that you designate from your leadership team will be part of the, uh, you know, the leadership committee to work on the planning process. What is the timing for the Bowman Master Plan so that well, this neighborhood plan will come first and it'll then inform your all's plan at some time and update in the next few years? Yeah, so the Bowman Master Plan, we haven't, we haven't put that RFP out. So this, this will be kind of a precursor to that. It will help lay the foundation for the public meetings that we will have during our master plan. We are probably, uh, probably three years away from doing okay. our, our Bowman Master Plan. It's an it's a easier process because, uh, again, the facility is small, it's limited, um, we're not looking for uh, expansion or growth, so it's how do we maintain the facility, do the facility inventory. So so this study that's kicking off after Labor Day is going to be, I mean, it'll be r- really helpful. The timing's great. That's what Ti- we want. Yeah, we want this one to fantastic. inform that one instead yeah. of the other way around. And, and again, a lot of the public hearings that come out of, that you just have to do as part of the master plan, will, will those, those things will be set in place. So it's going to be, it will be very helpful. Okay, well... Um, we're just about out of time. Time flies on the show, but I'm very, you know, I'm going to welcome you again to Louisville to um, to your job, which I think is as important as any other one in this city, frankly, in terms of um, our economic uh, future. And uh, really excited for the planning process at Bowman Field and uh, and um, to work together for several years. So thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks, glad to do it. Take care. Thanks for listening to 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. I'm Councilman Brandon Cohn. Please stay in touch with our office. Visit our website at www.tinyurl.com slash cmcohnd8. And once you're there, please subscribe and stay informed to receive our biweekly e-newsletter.